it's a pleasure to have you listening to my show today. My sincerest desire is for you to get something from it that will make your life richer, fuller, and safer. My name is Reverend Wynn Henderson. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a real perspective to bring you content to solve problems in your life. This podcast is the longest-running, single-hosted, spiritually-based radio, internet, talk show in America. It's been on the air for 24 years. I bring you information about the disease of addiction, about your purpose in life, and investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. Uh, This podcast uh, tonight uh, will be mainly about purpose in life and about investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. Our uh, guest tonight coming back for a second visit, and you can go back in archives and uh, listen to his first podcast a week ago on Thursday, is Dr. Ralph LaGuardia. He has spent over three decades researching alternative ways of treating and preventing diseases of all types. He has been in private practice in Connecticut for more than 30 years. During that time, he learned what alternative and natural methods work and which ones were snake oil. He has read hundreds of books and research articles on alternative ways of treating different diseases and has a huge personal library of many of these out-of-print books. He's well-known in the medical underground of pioneering integrative medicine practitioners. Integrative medicine is a highly effective combination of traditional and alternative medicine. He's authored the Doomsday Book of Medicine, considered by many to be the best book on medical prepping. He's also written the Bible of Alternative Medicine. He lives in an organic farm in Connecticut with his lovely wife, Lynn, his feisty 91-year-old mother, Mary, and there are three dogs and four horses. And when not practicing medicine or riding, he spends most of his time in his orchards or his geodesic dome greenhouse experimenting with growing and propagating edible fruits of all kinds. Ralph, it's nice to have you back on the program again tonight. Thank you, Doctor. So, um, well, we, we can't go over everything that you said last week, but it was uh, very good and informative, and I think that everybody's listening tonight ought to go back to last Thursday and pick up your program. But let's get on with where we left off. We were talking about um, prevention of COVID-19, and you talked about personal hygiene and um, uh, mouthwash in that section. Could you hit those two things uh, for our listeners? Sure. Well, as you know, as a physician, personal hygiene is key. That's the king. If you can cleanse your hands and um, and also your oral pharynx, 
in your nasal pharynx, that's the portal for many infections. Most of the infections, uh, as you know, on the hands are brought up to the mouth. And many, many, many times a day we bring our hands to our mouth and touch our faces and stuff. So that's why hand washing is so key, especially from a lot of, you know, when you're in public a lot and uh, in medical offices or out anywhere, touching doorknobs, shaking people's hands, et cetera, you're exposed to a large number of uh, pathogens, uh, period. But, you know, essentially what I like to, to highlight, though, is that the people only get infected when their immune systems are overwhelmed. And that's one of the keys of my book, and in fact, what I talk about is to preventing that overwhelming of the immune system. And so part of that is to cut, cut back on the delivery of pathogens to yourself. If you cut back on the number of pathogens you're exposed to, uh, then right off the bat, you're a little bit ahead of the game. And so one of the strategies I employ is to, naturally frequent hand washing, which everyone should do anyway. Uh, but also, there's also ways to rinse out your nose and your nasal passages and your mouth and throat where most respiratory pathogens enter, such as COVID, flu, your average colds. Um, and so what I teach you in the book is ways to do that. And one of the ways I like to do it the most is with uh, hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide, as you know, is what the body uses itself. It releases to destroy a lot of pathogens. And it's uh, H2O2, which breaks down to H2O and water, uh, excuse me, and oxygen. And so you wind up, it's very benign. It has no side effects other than a little burning in your throat if you use it too strong. The hydrogen peroxide available in most stores is 3%. Um, I usually dilute that down uh, by maybe a quarter of that. Uh, so with water, I use three parts water, one part hydrogen peroxide, or even less. Um, it's very effective even at diluted doses. And what you can do is either uh, gargle with that once or twice a day. And during flu season, you could probably do it three or four times a day and just rinse out your mouth and spit it out. And also cup some in your hand and snort it into your nasal passages as well, both sides, and just blow that out. That alone will decrease the number of respiratory pathogens you're exposed to exponentially. And so, and once again, it has no side effects. There's uh, other ways to do that as well. You can use betadine, which is iodine solution. And you could, but you have to dilute that as well. Uh, but that betadine is still used in hospitals everywhere because it kills everything. It kills all pathogens, uh, viruses, bacteria, fungi, everything dies in, in, uh, with the use of betadine. And it kills it so quickly, there's never resistance developing. It just a absolutely eradicates everything. That's why even in hospitals where there's an unbelievable amount of pathogens circulating, as you would imagine, from all the sick people congregating in one spot, they still clean all the surfaces with betadine. Uh, still to this day, it is, is great to use for that. And so I advise my patients to keep both peroxide and betadine ha handy in their homes. Uh, and I love betadine in addition to which you, all of us are iodine depleted. It's the rare person that's not iodine depleted. Uh, and iodine is so key for our health. Every cell in your body requires iodine, but especially your thyroid. And so, um, and it also protects you from radiation, uh, oddly enough. But uh, because the, the radioactive iodine is uptaken by the thyroid, and that destroys it. And so that's what leads to thyroid cancer after radiation exposure. Rather than 
another topic. But uh, so you, the soils are very depleted from this chemical farming we've been doing for the last you know, 80 years. And so all we're doing is repleting into the soil NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. But they're not putting back in iodine, all the trace elements, and other minerals. And so that's why it's key that you replete your body with those. And in the book, I get into various methods of doing that. Um, uh, there's a product called Supreme Fulvic, F-U-L-V-I-C, that I use, uh, which is just made from an ancient lake bed out west. They mine it from there. And that has all the minerals and trace elements your body needs. Uh, so it's very useful for that. Um, I take a tablespoon of that every day just to make sure because no one has done studies on the, tra the trace elements you need, but our blood is similar to seawater, uh, and it contains all the elements that seawater contains, although seawater now is, is more salty than our, it was when we emerged from the seas, you know, and, and, and developmentally. Um, and so consequently, uh, the sea is saltier now because of salt coming off the land into the sea. But anyway, back. So the reason is, all there's not. God never does things by accident. All the minerals and trace elements in your blood are there for a reason. But to this day, science doesn't know that much about it. But it's my contention that with these farming practices now and people eating processed foods, etc., they're depleted of all many of the trace elements and minerals especially iodine, which is key, especially for preventing infections. And so I use betadine in that form, and I always like it because, like I said, it winds up repleting your iodine. Um, so if you get uh, betadine at the pharmacy, how much do you mm -hmm. delete it before you start gargling with it? You don't need a lot. Betadine is super potent. You could take a, a eight ounce glass of water and put uh, maybe 10 drops of betadine into it. And that'll be more than enough. Okay. And you can now still at that dilution will still kill everything. Um, you know, and that works very well. And later on, uh, we'll discuss when we get to the treatment of COVID, nebulizing um, peroxide and adding a little betadine to that as well. Um, and but we'll talk about that when we talk about treating COVID. I'll get into that more. Okay. Well, you you went. Uh next to talk about ivermectin, but you also talked about ivermectin in relation to the treatment of COVID. Do you want to discuss it now or when we talk about the treatment of COVID? Yeah, we can discuss it now. Yeah. I mean, ivermectin is much maligned and for absolutely no reason. Ivermectin, in fact, uh, the World Health Organization listed it before COVID as one of the uh, top, I think it's top 150 or 200 drugs for mankind because of its effect on river blindness and malaria and different things in Africa, they call it the Sunday pill. People take it every Sunday just to prevent a lot of the uh, illnesses that they have there. And it's been completely maligned by the press, as with everything. Uh, they did the same thing with hydroxychloroquine. Um, each thing, they, there was no treatment that wasn't maligned, except the stuff they wanted to give, um, which was deadly and full of side effects like remdesivir and stuff, which destroys your kidneys um, and has not been proven to be effective at all, but they keep pushing it over and over again. Uh, they also, you know, demonized anyone using ivermectin and would not allow you to use it. 
and that developed into a full and the medical underground of course knew the the efficacy of ivermectin against uh, most viruses and and its lack of side effects it's very benign you know i we, i live on a horse farm and we use it a lot for the horses and the press immediately jumped on that and said, oh it's it's a horse dewormer it's a horse you know it's a horse treatment which was nonsense um you know, they typically do that same thing and malign things and because no treatment for COVID was allowed. Well, getting back to that, let me make a comment that back in those earlier days, I uh, surveyed, I think it was 38 doctor's offices around where I live, and I asked them if I could get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine because... I had done research, and I had researched private practices in Texas where they weren't jumping on the doctors so badly, uh, 2,000 cases, and if they uh, gave the patient uh, hydroxychloroquine early, they didn't have any hospitalizations, no respirators, and no deaths. But um, I asked these 38 doctor's offices about hydroxychloroquine, and there was not a single one of the doctors who would prescribe it. And I thought, wow, they have really got these guys scared. They're scared yeah. because they think right. they may lose their medical license. And, uh, right. you know, they don't want to do that. So they take a perfectly good drug like hydroxychloroquine and later on ivermectin, and they come out against it, criticize it, and uh, try to put as much pressure on doctors not to use it. So I right. I went out in the countryside, and I found a country doctor, and I had a two-hour conversation with him where I talked to him about ivermectin and asked him to write me a prescription so that I could have it in case I needed it. And um, he finally agreed, and I took it into the pharmacy in town. There was only one pharmacy in town that would fill it, for any reason, even the reason... Which is shocking. Which is shocking. You know, who who are pharmacists to say no when you come in with an illegal prescription? Right. And so um, the one pharmacy that would fill it wanted to charge me $500 for a prescription. So you see that back in the earlier days and, and it spread to the later days, this was so much about... How much money can we make off of this this uh, virus? And you know, right. I've been doing this program for a long time, and I've been putting on a lot of programs over the years about what's truth just below the surface. And if you go back and uh, and uh, check out some of those earlier programs, you'll find out that what we said back then, now the CDC is coming around and saying, well, you know, we called that misinformation back then, but now it's okay. So you know, right. I don't know if you're as disgusted as I am with the situation, but that's the way it is. Oh, I truly am. I mean, I never saw anything like this where physicians are cowered into just accepting things. Uh, hydroxychloroquine we used for years as Plaquenil for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and different things. And there was never a black – all of a sudden it came out, it causes heart damage. There was never even a warning on it. I had patients on it for years with no, absolutely no problems with it. 
and all of a sudden it was demonized. But, you know, the key thing for hydroxychloroquine, it works because it's an ionophore. What an ionophore is, as you know, is it makes an ion channel through the cell membrane and allows uh, things to enter. So it's like a cloaking device. It allows it to go in. And when the government first came out demonizing it, they, they did studies on it, and they said, oh, this doesn't work. We've tried it. It's, it's snake oil, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but they didn't do it with the key thing. Hydroxychloroquine only works in the presence of zinc. And what happened when they gave and all the the underground doctors like myself in the medical underground we knew that and so we always administered it with with high dose of zinc, and because what happens is zinc has a positive charge the outside of the cell membrane has a positive charge so unless it has a transport mechanism across like sodium and and so many other uh, ions it cannot enter the cell there is no transport for zinc but it goes across through with ion with um, hydroxychloroquine, it allows that ion channel to go into the cell. Now, interestingly enough, there's a bioflavonoid called quercetin, which does the exact same thing. And quercetin just works just like hydroxychloroquine within the presence of zinc. And once the zinc enters the, the inside of the cell where the virus is replicating, viruses attach to the outside of the cell, as you know, and then go inside, they commandeer the DNA or the RNA from the cell, and they make their they replicate there. Zinc doesn't kill the virus, but prevents the replication, which is all you need, and so that stops it and stops it dead in its tracks. And that's why I gave it initially when people come down with any viral illness, respiratory mostly, um, I give a quercetin with zinc, and that was part of my protocol for treating COVID as well. Um, skipping back for a second before we get into um, the uh, treatment of COVID, uh, there's a couple other things that that you mentioned that's good for you, and I I guess it's good for you no matter what you're infected with. But that was hydration and your mental attitude. You want to make a comment about mm -hmm. one of those? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, hydration is key. I'd say probably 80% of the patients I see are dehydrated, um, you know, to, to various degrees. And the older they are, the worse it is. And part of that is because the th your thirst mechanism declines with age. So old people, my mother, I remember she unfortunately just recently died, but um, she was like a camel all day. She wasn't drinking. I said, "Why you're not drinking. I'm not thirsty. You know, she's been, you see their tongues. I always tell patients, use your tongue as a barometer. If your tongue is not wet, you're not hydrated. You got to hydrate yourself until your tongue is wet because your body, it can't function without adequate water. It uses water to dissolve and get rid of a large number of your wastes. It, you know, it helps all the tissues needed to prop, to properly function. So one of the first things I tell patients when they're sick is hydrate, 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 start pushing water on yourself right away, especially if you're running a fever. If you're running a fever, you're losing a huge amount of water across your skin, um, and consequently, you, besides not taking it orally, you, you're or, you don't feel good. You're not eating or drinking as much. That drops off, and now you're losing it on top of it. So that puts a very large strain on your kidneys, which you don't want during an illness. So I tell them, as soon as you're sick, hydrate yourself, and rest is the other key. You got to rest your body. That's why you're so tired anyway. Your body's fighting this off, and you're exhausted. And many times, 
you know, I haven't been on antibiotics in decades, but many times if I come home and I, I said, oh, man, I feel like I'm coming down with something. I'll just hydrate myself heavily, uh, jack up my the Gang of Seven, which I'll talk about later, and go to bed early. <laughs> you know, get a, a good eight or ten hours sleep, and I always feel a whole lot better when I wake up. So either way, it helps your body fight off things because you can't fight it when you're exhausted as well. So that's why I mentioned that. Um, back when I was practicing family practice, uh, we would have lots of kids that would come in with a fever, nonspecific symptoms and everything, and they'd want antibiotics. And uh, I primarily didn't want to give them antibiotics for a number of reasons. But I told them to, you know, to hydrate themselves and and come back in three days. Most of the time, in three days they were well. But you know, that's just a right. just a pass. Well, that, that's the other thing is fever is your friend. Everyone thinks, oh my God, fever! I've got to get rid of this fever. You know, your body doesn't waste anything. God's designed it as a perfect machine. And so what happens is all the organisms that infect us, be it viruses or bacteria only can do so because they live at our body temperature. If a virus lives at 95 or 101, it can't survive inside of you. So right away, you're not a target of it. But so the first thing your body does, and wisely so, is jack up your temperature to make it inhospitable for whatever bug is infecting it. And people foolishly immediately take Tylenol and lower their temperature. I tell them, do not ever do that. Let a fever burn. It's going to shorten your length of your illness. And if you take away the fever, you're taking away your body's main defense for killing it and the organisms that are infecting you, and you're just prolonging the illness. So I preach that all the time. Now, naturally, if you have a fever of 103 or something, that's different. You want to break that, bring that down a little bit anyway. But short of that, if you're not really in, you know, and children go really, as you know, go really high anyway. That's not a great big deal for them as much. <clears throat> but for adults, they all make that mistake of running to the Tylenol. Right, right. So now let's get into the symptoms of COVID-19. What makes you a symptomatic COVID patient as opposed to somebody that uh, is not? Well, that's in evolution as well. You know, the original you know, wild type, type A COVID that everyone got initially uh, is a totally different animal than what's going on now. Initially, one of the main symptoms was loss of, of taste and smell. That no longer is a symptom of COVID currently with the uh, BA5 and the most recent um, BA3 and the very various uh, variants that are coming around now. So initially, it was loss of taste and smell. And then it was a whole myriad of vague symptoms. Extreme fatigue was one of them. Uh, thirst was one of them, well, mostly fatigue. Fatigue, muscle aches, fever and chills, uh, and a cough. And people start coughing and developing shortness of breath. Um, since then, it's, it's evolved. And as I talk about in the book, uh, viruses always evolve in one direction, less lethal, more contagious. The virus wants market share. It doesn't want to kill you. It has no interest in killing you. It only wants to survive and spread to other people. For example, when MERS and SARS-1 came out, they had a 25 to 35% mortality rate, and people became so sick so fast that they were immediately in bed and didn't spread it. And that died, died out by itself. It didn't spread because of that. I mean, from a virus's point of view, 
the best case scenario is, is for you not to know you have it. Stuff like cytomegalovirus that almost every old sexually active adults practically have uh, and other virus that spread through the population because the virus is able then to get new hosts and spread. And that's all it wants to do. It wants to survive. And so in the beginning, when COVID first came out, I kept saying that people said, well, I'm not worried about this. They said, oh, the next variant is going to, is going to be so lethal, it's going to kill everyone. We have to all get vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was pure nonsense. There was no, not one virology book ever. I've never seen an example yet of a virus going um, more lethal and, and less contagious. And, you know, but now there's, there's exceptions to that with the flu and stuff because the flu has what's called antigenic drift and stuff and it, it, it mutates a different way. But um, even that is very rare for that to be lethal. Um, to, and as it turns out, they told us in the beginning, oh my God, COVID is so lethal, it has a 25% rate. And they came up with all these incredible numbers scaring people initially. And um, those numbers were skewered because they were only seeing people who were presenting to the hospital. The vast majority of patients were either asymptomatic or meaning they didn't have many symptoms, or they just had thought they had a bad cold and never reported to the doctor or the hospital, wrote it out and did fine. And so that skewered it, making it look like it was much more lethal than it was, when we know now that it's as lethal as the seasonal flu, if not less. And that was the original COVID. The new ones are much less lethal. It's it's an unusual person who dies from COVID now uh, who doesn't have a lot of pre-existing conditions. And that was my argument about children. You know, children, only children that were dying with children that had cystic fibrosis or end-stage really severe asthma. Uh, otherwise, kids don't even know they have it, and it sails right through it. You know, COVID is unique in the fact that it's it seems to be skewered almost directly to the, your age. The higher age, the higher risk, and the more lethal it is, the, high, the older you are. But that lethality, lethality has plummeted to the point now where, I mean, most of the patients I see with COVID are barely sick at all. You know, occasionally you get someone who's got underlying COPD or respiratory problems who winds up in the hospital, but that's unusual right now compared to what it was initially. Well, let's move on to treatment of COVID. And the thing that uh, I like the best that you wrote in your book is the Gang of Seven. But before we talk about the Gang of Seven, tell our listening audience how to get a copy of this great book, Infected. Yeah, it's called Infected Secrets from the Medical Underground is the subtitle. It's available on Amazon, uh, like my my previous two books, The Bible of Alternative Medicine and The Doomsday Book of Medicine. They're all available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the typical uh, outlets for books everywhere. Okay, well, now let's get on. Tell us about the Gang of Seven. The Gang of Seven um, is, is seven uh, nutrients that I've been using for years. And actually, when I wrote this up, it went viral at the, at the beginning of COVID. A lot of companies picked it up and, and copied it and sent it out to their, their employees, which I was very happy about. Um, the Gang of Seven is all things that boost your immune system. They're all over-the-counter. They're all natural. And the thing I love about them, every one of them has beneficial side effects and practically no other side effects, no noxious side effects, no nausea, no vomiting, no headaches, nothing that you would get with prescription pharmaceuticals. And they're all available to the public without a prescription. So they basically are the minerals, zinc, 
iodine and selenium. Iodine, I touched on earlier, and I touched on zinc, on why they're good for their, your immune system. But selenium also is, is one of these things that's great for your immune system. It helps boost your immunity. Uh, it works in myriad ways. I can get into it extensively in the book uh, on each one on how it works. I use those three minerals, vitamin C, uh, A, and D, and uh, quercetin. I spoke earlier about quercetin and vitamins, uh, excuse me, and zinc, how they work together. Now, vitamin C is much maligned uh, by the press and for no reason at all. Vitamin C is amazingly non-toxic. No one's ever died from vitamin C at huge dose. Um, uh, you know, I've taken 50 grams of IV whatsoever. Vitamin C can get too high of a dose. That's called bowel intolerance. You develop that bowel intolerance you know, at the high dose because it's ascorbic acid and sometimes it irritates the uh, lining of the colon a little bit, not much at all. Now, you can get around that by using this different... Vitamin C is water-soluble. All vitamins are fat-soluble, meaning they dissolve in fat. Um, vitamin C and B, all the B vitamins, are water-soluble. They're the only ones. So they dissolve in water. So you can take B and C on an empty stomach. That's no problem. All the rest... A, D, E, and K, and multivitamins have to be taken with fat, or they go right through you. And so you're not. And that's what it seems to be a little known fact because I have patients that come in all the time and say, "Oh, I've been taking vitamins for 30 years, doc. I know everything about them." And they've been taking them at bedtime or in the morning on an empty stomach. And I give them the bad news that they've been, you know, defecating out or peeing it out for years and haven't absorbed anything. But so I use high dose vitamin C. I use high-dose vitamin A, which also boosts your immune system. Uh, I mean, vitamin A works great. You know, it cures measles. It's, uh, it has so many beneficial side effects. But once again, just like D, A and D have to be taken with fat. Uh, everyone is vitamin D deficient, it seems, these days, unless you work outside and you're in the sun a lot, um, where you, your body can make vitamin D. And that's the best form of vitamin D to have. It's made by your body from the sun. Um, and so, and what happens is all my patients of color and ironically, all my very fair skinned white patients are in the same boat. They have very low vitamin D levels. The uh, patients with dark skins um, have it because they have naturally have uh, uh, melanin in their skin, which blocks the uptake of, of vitamin D. Uh, and they, they would be okay if they were in Africa uh, where they evolved or in a tropical climate in South America somewhere where they had sun exposure. But once they get here uh, in this type of environment, there's, there's no, they're not exposed to the sun as they were then. And so they, they're, all their vitamin D levels are low. And as you know, everyone stays indoors these days. When we were kids, you know, I was outside until my parents called me. I had to come in for dinner and then do my homework. But we were outside all day, every day, playing outside. These kids are on computers, they're on their phones, or inside, and the same thing with adults. So almost everyone has low vitamin D levels. So I put most of my patients on 50,000 units of vitamin D3 once a week with fat. But I tell them if you develop COVID, I want you to take that same 50,000 and take it every day for four or five days and really absorb it and help. Vitamin D is, is more like a hormone than a vitamin. It has unbelievably good side effects for you, and there's been thousands of papers published on that now. So I give them uh, vitamins A, C, and D, quercetin, zinc, iodine, and selenium. And that's the gang of seven. And that works to boost your immune system. 
In fact, we just started selling it as a product called Immunoblast, um, and uh, that's coming out probably either this week or next week. Um, and so that, I mean, one formula we were able to put together, I worked with a company, and we, we were able to do that. But you can buy those individually, and they work great, and I give you the, the doses right in the book and how to take them. But that immediately jacks up your immune system because, as I was saying earlier, when a, when a virus or any illness spreads through a community, why doesn't everyone get it? And the reason why everyone doesn't catch it is all based on your immunity. If your immune system's down, you'll catch something because your body can't fight it off. But you're exposed to thousands of pathogens every day, and your body fights them off. And so you, if you – I'm a big believer in offense – excuse me, defense. Build up, a, build up your defense by building up your body by using a gang of seven, hydrating yourself and resting, and that will fight off the vast majority of illnesses – and I've used it hundreds and hundreds of times um, with COVID, and it's worked great. Um, but, you know, we, there's other things we do as well. I do um, a guy named Dave Brownstein out of Detroit. He started using nebulized hydrogen peroxide. He's one of the medical underground people I speak about in the book, real pioneer. He used a lot of work with iodine as well. And um, he, he took 200 cases of COVID and cured 199 of them with nebulized hydrogen peroxide. And so I use that in my office a lot, too. And you can buy a nebulizer and use that as home as well. And in the book, I teach you how to mix that with – you have to mix it with saline. You can't mix it with water only because you don't, you want to make it – it's too – you want to make it isotonic so it matches the fluids in your body. You don't want it to be too dilute. Uh, but I've taken patients who – they were sent home from the hospital and told them they, they can't, couldn't do anything for them and basically sent them home to die, elderly, elderly patients who when the hospitals were mobbed. And I brought them into the office, and I would give them peroxide treatments for an hour uh, every day for four or five days, and they were completely cured and did fine with it. And like I said earlier, that breaks down to water and oxygen, so it's completely benign, has you know no side effects. At the higher doses, it gives you a little burning in your throat. You just dilute it. And uh, But there's, it's completely and utterly benign, cheap as hell, and that's why you'll never see these, these companies pushing it. And the government, this stuff is readily available to patients. We could have cured millions of people right off the bat with these things. And, and like I said, all with beneficial side effects. There's another um, substance that I use, not in your gang, of, of seven, and that's melatonin. What do you think about melatonin? Mm. Oh, melatonin, I'm learning more and more about. I'm in an evolution on melatonin. I, uh, melatonin is fabulous for you. It uh, boosts your immune system, and it helps uh, charge your mitochondria. Um, you know, and that there is very high doses of melatonin that are extremely well tolerated. I used to take, you know, say patients take five milligrams or even 10. Uh, I take uh, 60 milligrams every night now. Um, it's very good for you. It has no side effects as well, except making you a little sleepy. Uh, but even that, it, the 60 is, doesn't make you any more sleepier than the five or the 10. Uh, but that works very well, and that's being embraced by the medical underground as well, and they found that it was very useful in treating COVID. Uh, but initially, I have to admit, I didn't use that high of a dose at the time, uh, but now I've, I've come around with that, and I use a much higher dose than I even mentioned in the book. And one other thing that I, I don't use, but you talked about it, is baking soda. Hmm. Well, baking soda, you know, is, is important because of your pH. The, if you could change the pH, the intracellular pH, uh, you know, between the cells, 
uh, and that, and those fluids in your body, if you could change that and make that more basic, which means raising the pH of it, if you can do that, that that prevents the attachment of a lot of viral particles. They need they require a, a certain pH for them to work in, and that prevents them from attaching to the cell wall. If they can't attach to the cell wall, then they can't enter the cell to infect you. And but you know you have to be a little careful with uh, baking soda because you can't just drink a whole glass of it. You know you can actually burst your stomach if you if you use too much initially. But if you if you dilute some and make like a um, you know, a quart of it and sip it during the day, uh, that will help keep you alkaline and uh, prevent, also prevent a lot of viral infections. How much baking soda do you put in a quart of water? Uh, I would just put a tablespoon in a quart of water. Just a tablespoon. And, uh, yeah, and, and just sip it during the day. That should alkalize it enough and not cause the problems of gas production in your stomach. Uh, there have been uh, people that I have... I had on my program and have said that a lot of chronic diseases like cancer, for example, are less of a problem with people who have an alkaline blood pH. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've read that, and, and uh, that, that too, is, is a, um, one of the tenets of the medical underground, really, basically, is, is keeping your body... Uh, alkalinized because normally a lot of the food we eat, these processed foods we eat are high in acids and you wouldn't get that many acids normally. Uh, most of the food you, you would eat naturally, the fruits and vegetables, wild game and meat and fish uh, are not acidic as the foods we eat now. And so um, I'm a big believer in uh, getting back to basics. I think sunshine is amazingly good for you. Uh, people are worried, oh, my God, the sun is bad. Everyone thinks sun gives you melanoma. That's nonsense. And that's proved by the fact that construction workers have a lower rate of melanoma than office workers. If sun was killing people, we would have never evolved. You know, I, I always tell my patients, we live here in New England, they say, oh, well, you know, I get burnt all the time. Burns are what give you cancer, uh, melanoma, sunburn, not the sun. So I tell them, get early morning and late day sun without without sunblock. It'll help raise your vitamin D levels and help your skin. And you see pictures of these old Yankee farmers here in New England, which are all of Northern European extraction. They were all English, Irish, German, Scandinavian, uh, Polish. And all of them had deep tans by the end of the year. They weren't sunburnt at all because they were outside all year round. And as the days got longer, their skin became deeply tanned and they weren't burnt. We're designed for that. Everyone, you know, if, if sun killed us, man would have never evolved. That, and that drives me crazy because the dermatologists keep pushing this craziness. The sun is bad, sun is bad. And they're lathering these kids up with sunblock all the time. And once again, lowers their vitamin D levels, lowers their calcium levels, which affects their immune systems. And it's a cascading effect of negativity. Your book, uh, Infected, in my opinion, is the best single book on all infections, not just covid and I think well, I every, everybody should have a copy in their home. And when they have a problem or think they have a problem, go to the book because the answer is there. And I, I honor you for the work that you've done. And uh, I think that uh, this is a book that everybody should have. So get a copy for yourself. Get a copy for your family. And uh, thanks. Uh, Dr. LaGuardia for that. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Nelson. I appreciate it very much having me on. Um, okay, so I think we'll stop with that today. Uh, okay. We might come back and talk to about something else later. Uh, but sure, I'd love to. But get, uh, get Dr. LaGuardia's first podcast and listen to it. And now let me say that my mission or purpose in life is to spread the message that there is a cure for every addictive behavior. And this is a spiritual cure, and the treatment program is profiled in my book, Freedom from Addiction 4, The Final Message. If you meet three simple criteria, everyone cures their addiction. My book is available on Amazon.com. And I have three free resources where you can start your journey. The first is a link to this podcast. The link is freedomfromaddiction.libson.com. No caps, no spaces, and spell Libson, L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N. The second is a link to my website where you can find out more about my work with addiction. It is www.revwinhendersonmd.com. And the final resource is my Twitter account. Search for at Hugo the Artist on Twitter.com, and there you will find over 2,300 inspirational and educational pearls of wisdom. And now we'll let you go and get back to what you were doing, and hope you have a great rest of the day.